Lights off. Welcome, everyone, once again to another episode of Sleep Tech Talk, the sleep podcast for all you sleep professionals out there. And with your hosts, Robert Miller, Emerson Kerr, and me, Dr. Jerry George Moneycarote, and we're here with a fabulous guest. But before we do that, hey, Robert, could you tell us uh, a little bit about the show and what we're asking for our, from our participants well, we're, we're kind of back to our regular, um, you know, sort of series of, of episodes where we're able to connect with, um, you know, uh, these great registered sleep techs um, who are out in the field and who've been able to sort of forge their own path and, and create their own, um, you know, sort of uh, space in, in the sleep medicine field. Um, I think that we have a great guest with us today, and we're excited to hear her story, her journey and uh, learn a little bit more about her and, and her business. So, uh, Jerry, I know you you know a little bit more about her and, and know her more personally, so you probably ought to talk about her specifically. Hey, thanks, Robert. Uh, appreciate that. And yes, uh, Sarah and I have met many, many, many years ago, and it was uh, we had some good times together and uh, respect her quite a bit. She's grown her own business, built her own business, and is quite the... I can, if I can use that word, the local celebrity, but she's a, a community advocate and a, a pillar of the community where she lives in Minnesota and is, is a huge advocate for, for sleep health. And she has her own sleep center, sleep services, and is, goes out explaining and educating others. And she teaches in the local program to help new, a new wave, a new generation of sleep techs. With that, everybody, let me introduce you to Sarah Moe. Sarah. If you don't mind telling us a little bit of uh, more about who you are and how you got here. Absolutely. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Uh, so, yes, uh, sleep medicine has been my life since 2006 when I decided to go to school for the polysomnographic technologies program at Minneapolis College. I had always thought I would be a nurse, but it turns out Sarah does not do well with blood. So after figuring out that very important tidbit, uh, I looked for other medical fields where I could work overnights and be helpful and just happened to find the sleep medicine program at Minneapolis College. After graduating, uh, I became board registered in 2008 worked overnights hypocritically like we all do and uh, you know really became obsessed, if I can be honest, with helping people sleep. Uh, so I'm um, working about five years doing overnights, then I uh, realized that education was more my passion. Uh, got asked to go back to uh, the school, the program that I graduated from, and was fortunate enough to teach there for years. Um, I actually haven't taught there in a while, because once I realized I wanted to start my company and focus more on education within the community, it very quickly took off. So I was honored to then pass on uh, my uh, my program to one of my former students, which is how it got handed down to me. And now I just work with businesses and corporations to focus on sleep education for employees. It's been a really fun few years. Sarah, first of all, I have to tell you, you're making me feel really, really old um, <laughs> with uh, graduating in the 2000s from uh, Postnodic <laughs> School. That's, uh, that's great. 
Um, you know, I, I, I read a little bit of information about you online and, and learned that you, you sort of took the, the passion and uh, sort of the skills, I guess, you developed in, in working with patients, educating the patient, and then started to turn that into, now, how can I teach others, you know, to uh, work with patients the same way and, and sort of communicate on the same level that I'm communicating with patients? Talk about that a little bit, how you were able to make that, that jump from, you know, super night tech to, um, you know, to daytimes. And I think it's amazing, too, by the way, that you were asked to go back and, and take over a program that you graduated from. I think that's, that's, that's the way it should be. Thank you. I agree. Yes, it really was uh, not only an honor, but meant to be. I didn't realize that education was a part of my passion. I thought I would work overnights forever. I would never leave my patients. It really was a great fit for me. Uh, but when working with the students in the Peace Town program, I found that it was a, a really almost, I guess I, I would say, a different way to honor the field of sleep medicine to ensure that the next generation understood the importance of communication with patients, uh, how to do the job in a way uh, to not only instill with them pride in what we do, but to ensure the patients felt dignity, that they got the information that they needed to feel comfortable, uh, to do a quality job and ensure that uh, the studies that were getting put forth to the medical directors were of the highest quality so that every patient got a proper diagnosis. There was so much more to it when I started teaching than I ever realized with just working overnight and being a tech. And also there's a pride that comes with teaching in a way where the ability to communicate with patients on a level where they not only understand it, but you do still remain professional was completely transferred when I came to the classroom. So I found, you know, we do have a lot of complicated jargon and science and medical terminology that comes in that position, but being able to make information accessible to everybody was really how I found that education might actually be my passion. So getting to take my two favorite things, which is teaching and sleep medicine, and make a business out of it. I just, I'm one of those people who wakes up feeling fortunate every day. Sarah, what do you think has been your biggest surprise? Because you're know, clearly going from that didactic world into the one you've stepped into is very different. You're in a, you're very much in control of your students. You know, it's it's your environment. But now you've stepped into a different world. You've got customers, and it's a little, you know there can be some shifting plates there. How did what was your biggest surprise? Maybe your biggest learning making that move out of the classroom and into the corporate side of things? My biggest surprise was realizing that I had signed up to be a public speaker. <laughs> I truly figured when this really came together, I was just going to have a new audience of students. And walking into my very first paying gig, you know, I have friends who work at different corporations and such. So when I realized that this is what I wanted to do, they said, hey, come practice at my company or, oh, yeah, we have wellness programs. And that was really, really great for me because I realized, you know, I need to really kind of hone this in and figure out what exactly our workforce needs as far as sleep education. But when I got my first big paying client, I walked through the doors and felt ill. And I thought, why does this feel like when I had to give book reports in school, I'm so used to being in front of people. It's not a big deal. It's just a new group to educate. Nope. I felt like a public speaker and it was my stomach just turned. Uh, that was my biggest surprise. And it is interesting now after, you know, years of, of 
doing something and, and practicing skills, of course, it gets easier. But every once in a while with a certain group or a huge corporation or speaking at a conference, keynote, all of that, I think, you know what, you did this to yourself <laughs> unintentionally. You know, it's, I understand completely. I know that when I transitioned over to doing that for, for restaurants a lifetime ago, it was quite a transition. You know, when you when you look back, though, you know, a lot of people in our audience, you know, I'm sure they think about, you know, how what what was that that catalyst for you? You know, when you went from being a sleep type to I can do more, I can reach for more in my life. You know, you've had, you, we all have these these catalysts along the way in life. Where where have some of those been for you? What were those those big pivotal moments that pushed you to the next level along the way? So I had a moment where I was out to dinner with a friend, and my server, to me based on my experience in the field, very much needed to have a conversation about his untreated sleep apnea. (laughs) So I was sitting there and she was like, don't do it. Don't do it. And I said, excuse me, um, have you ever had a sleep study? And she just went, (laughs) so um, after the, uh, the poor server had to, well, and for the record, I was right. I said, signs and symptoms, this and that, your necks are covered. And he very gratefully uh, took my information and said he would follow up and get a sleep study. But yeah, yeah, that was the conversation where she was like, you need to just figure out a way to do what you want to do. If you're just going to talk to absolutely everybody you meet about sleep, then just do that for a living. And I thought, you know what? It never even occurred to me. I did not grow up with an entrepreneurial spirit. I never thought, oh, I, I want to work for myself or anything like that. It just made sense once I thought about it. The fact that every time I would tell somebody what I did for a living, they would con- just share with me very intimate details or ask questions. I realized this community is suffering from fatigue. And I was exactly right. As soon as I started doing classes for companies, the the hurt and the suffering that I heard within the walls of every single business, didn't matter if it was the dry cleaners or the Minnesota twins, everybody is tired all the time. Uh, it really kind of validated my thought as far as, you know what, I, I can do more when educating within the community. So Sarah, um, it, by the way, I, I think that at some point in all of our lives, we have seen that patient out and about who has a sore on the bridge of their nose and and you got to ask a total stranger, hey, do you sleep on CPAP? And and you need a new mask, by the way. <laughs> I appreciate you saying that because I think it's part of our job. It really is. As far as sleep education has come, we have so much further to go. I remember you know, telling people at first I, I used to do sleep studies. Maybe one time out of 10, I'd have somebody go, oh, I've got a neighbor on that CPAP. Well, now, you know, you say what you do and everyone's like, oh. I know all about that. So we have come a long way, but the fact that we are still missing elementary school education around sleep, it really is detrimental because we learn about diet and exercise when it comes to our health. The conversation around sleep needs to go so much further. So a question for you in the occupational wellness space, because um, I know that it's you know I, I think it's it's easy sometimes to get an audience with a company or to be able to make a pitch about sleep wellness or a sleep wellness program for a company. But it is the, the unique balance of, yes, we'd love to have a more a healthier, more productive workforce. But at the end of the day, it's still higher utilization of, you know, 
medical services that ultimately the, the company is going to have to pay for. Um, and, and I know that you can make the case, you know, you pay for it now or you or you pay more for a, uh, a you know, a sicker patient later. Um, what's your message to a company and how do you how have you been successful in that space? You know, I think a big part of my success has come from my prior experience within education. It would never have worked if I went from sleep tech to knocking on companies' doors. That time I spent teaching at the college was imperative for me to not only learn uh, the importance of transfer of information, but really to build credibility as an educator. So I, I can't recommend enough focusing on uh, those those skills, that skill set that comes with teaching, because of course, every sleep tech knows more about sleep than the average medical physician, uh, but it, it is really more um, about educating because that's our goal is it's not treatment. It's not, you know, I do, I do not go into companies and say, Hey, your, your people have a problem and I have the solution. I go in and I say, I would like to talk to them and teach them the basics of sleep. And from there they can decide to go forward. Uh, I have seen other you know, companies uh, doing similar things that have not reached the same level of success, just based on, well, we also have a solution, because that seems a little, you know, for lack of a better word, schmarmy. Hey, let me come in and talk to you about your problems. And guess what? I've got this lab, or I've got this appliance, or, I, you know, it just, I'm there strictly to educate. I think that has uh, played a big role in my success. But I also think that early on, I was very fortunate to go into this specific position at the perfect time. Uh, I was told by my mentor, I am young enough to still care and make an impact, but experienced enough to have my word uh, be taken for what it was. And I I think I completely agree. It was the perfect time for me to say, uh, this is definitely what my community needs. Sarah, that's very inspiring to hear what you just said. And I appreciate you talking about the the previous year's experience of speaking in front of or as an educator. But what were some of the challenges that you may have experienced, you know, being being a, a woman and approaching these corporations? You know, let's let's not try to hide it, but there are. Uh, with that, or, yeah. Or even a minority or you're not a physician. What sort of uh, challenges did you uh, have to overcome to to secure these kind of jobs? Well, my initial challenges were great. So as you said, as a female, as a minority, as a non-physician, for me to say, hey, listen, I have something that you not only need, but you're going to pay me for. I got a lot of strange looks frequently, but I will say again, with our experience in the field, with our experience with our patients, you know what you're talking about. And if you do, it does come across. Uh, I also had a lot of experience with ageism because, (laughs) you know, I am fortunate enough to not look my age, I've been told for years. I am 40 and I have had many people say, even when I was teaching at the college, my students would walk in and everybody would sit there and wait for the professor. And I'd have to say, oh, sorry, it's me. You get an F. I'm just kidding. I would never do that. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, with the challenges, it just, it doesn't matter. If you are good at what you do, if you want to continue doing it, People will recognize that. People will want you on board. And I think for a long time in my career, people would say, wow, you're so passionate. And I would 
think, oh, Sarah, take it down a notch. (laughs) You're getting too excited. But it is really a blessing for people to recognize that because it is just ultimately it all comes down to wanting to help. And that's what we all do. We want to help others feel good. Um, So, you know, I think the whole grit that comes with doing something different, taking the the road less traveled. I'm not a very gritty person. I was very sad every time, you know, 99 out of 100 times you get a no. And I think, how do they not understand the value that I'm bringing? But, you know, you just keep at it. And after a year or two, I won my first award. I got a recognition with the Minnesota Business Magazine. And after that, you know, you just keep going. More and more recognition, more and more credibility uh, means more and more yeses. That's awesome. By the way, for our listeners, you should go over and watch the YouTube video because it's difficult to find someone who's dynamic, not only in in what they're saying, but also just in how they, they present themselves on Zoom. And Sarah's awesome. So, uh, so you got to check out the YouTube video on the, and also the podcast, uh, for this episode. Um, but Sarah, t- talk a little bit about your public speaking, uh, because I saw that you, you do that. Now, maybe it's more, uh, you know, in your local market and that sort of thing, but have you had the opportunity to speak on a national level in, in different types of sleep conferences and, and that sort of thing? I happen to know a, a sleep conference that maybe we should get you down to, uh, in the Carolinas. Wait a minute. It's on this side the Carolina Sleep Society at some point when you uh, when you can make your way down to to the Carolinas? Yeah, obviously, COVID changed everything. <laughs> uh, I had so many amazing opportunities prior to everybody kind of getting locked down. A vast majority not related to sleep conferences at all. I have spoken for the National Safety Council on the importance of sleep and safety within the workplace. I speak for a lot of uh, women's groups and different uh, athletic. I can't tell you the variety of conferences where sleep is clearly applicable because Literally everybody needs this education. Uh, and after COVID, it was very, very hard for me that I um, ended up having just the first few months from March through June of 2020, most of my clients canceling our engagements. I had my year just ready to go. And it was fascinating how quickly it turned around once we got into this Zoom life. Uh, I was so sad that I didn't get to go into businesses and teach these classes anymore. Well, once we started doing it online, I can say I literally have clients internationally uh, who reach out to me every day and say, hey, we need help. And I'm like, what time zone are you in? Where? I've never heard of this country. Uh, So my reach has expanded exponentially. And I'm just happy to speak any and everywhere. Because again, everybody needs this education. It's simple. It's not rocket science. It's sleep science. And it's something that we all do. Sarah, you're in a really interesting market, you know. A lot of people may not know how rich the sleep tradition is in Minneapolis. You know, you've got Dr. Iver, you've got, you know, health partners. Yeah, you've got a lot going on there that's incredible. So, I mean, knowing that you've got a lot of juggernauts around you that really, you know, are people who help shape this industry. How do you how do you step up and step out knowing you're surrounded by all these giants? Because that's impressive in such an interesting market. I agree. So um, Dr. Mahawold was the mentor to my mentor. 
So obviously prior to his passing, uh, he was renowned within the Twin Cities as well as Dr. Iber. Uh, everybody who came out of what was then uh, Hennepin County Medical Center, uh, then Minnesota Regional Sleep Disorders, you know, whatever the name was, what we got from that institution is immeasurable. Um, so I just am feeling fortunate every day that that was a part of my upbringing in sleep medicine, getting to do my internships there uh, and getting to interact with these sleep giants throughout my career and hope that, you know, that in some way I'm doing them proud, but I do believe that I am because I think that was ultimately everybody who can say they were a pioneer in sleep medicine. That was their goal was just a broader scope for sharing this information, uh, disseminating education and helping people feel better. Sarah, um, this has been absolutely fascinating. And uh, even though I've known you for several years to hear these pieces, it's it's news to me as well. So I'm very happy to be part of this uh, conversation, but we are out of time and we can't thank you enough for, for sharing the information with us. But is there any last pieces of information that you want to share uh, with Sleep Text? I mean, you were a teacher, that you still are a teacher, that you want to share with the, with our audience? Well, I guess I would say I'm hoping to see the future of sleep medicine continue to evolve. Well, you know, we don't have to continue working overnights forever. I know that now at my age, if I were to do a sleep study, it wouldn't go well for me for a couple of weeks afterwards. So uh, just really see if there might be a path that you're interested in, because more and more opportunities are arising. And But we do still need you. You need to be the ones who are not only holding down the fort, but helping our patients uh, in that hands-on real time. Whatever it is you're interested in as far as sleep medicine goes, I think that we're kind of headed in a cool direction. There was a while where we were also worried technology was going to take over and we were going to become obsolete. But guess what? COVID, (laughs) you need us. So (laughs) stay with it. Uh, It's just really an amazing field to be in. Hey, Sarah, by the way, I'm going to steal uh, the, one of the lines that you, you had during our conversation today. It's not rocket science, it's sleep science. That, that's beautiful, isn't it? Well, Absolutely. with that, we're going to have to close and we say thank you, Sarah, so much for joining us. And our audience, we thank you as well for all the support you've given us, all the likes, the thumbs up, the, the star ratings. And your comments, we sincerely appreciate it. We ask you to keep doing that. Don't forget to share it with all the sleep texts that are out there, as well as all the other uh, sleep professionals. Be sure to share it with them as well. And until next time, cheers and lights on.